Welcome to It's All Her, the podcast for women who want to live simpler, better lives. I'm your host, Jordi Lucas. I'm the founder and editor of It's All Her. I'm a mum to a toddler and I was an actor in a previous life. Each week, I'm joined by a guest to talk about their life, their work, and of course, how they make life simpler and better. For the latest, head to itsallher.com or follow us on socials. Let's get to this week's episode. Welcome back. Happy Friday. How are you? How's your week been? I have been an absolute agent of chaos this week. We have two live shows tomorrow at One Fine Baby Expo, which I'm so excited about. I'll leave the links in our show notes in case you want to come and hear from experts and mums of influence. But I have just been (laughs) running around like a headless chook. Just to give you an idea of how chaotic my mind is right now, I had to go to Officeworks to print some flyers off for the event on the weekend. So I went in, did a bit of shopping, looking around, got my stuff printed. I was in there for about half an hour and walked back out to my car and I had left it running and unlocked. So thank God (laughs) no one saw or no one realized, or people did realize, and they just thought, you know what, someone's having a hard day, I'm not gonna make it worse by stealing their car. I feel like I've been teetering on the edge of a menti bee this week, and that really would have just tipped me over. So very grateful for those people who didn't steal my car. Much appreciated. Now moving on. This week's guest is Maria Thetil. This is the third time we've had her on the podcast. I could listen to this woman talk all day. She is so intelligent, so well-spoken, and she has the courage to talk about things that some people might find uncomfortable or icky. Now, we sat down to talk today about her campaign with L'Oreal, which is taking action against street harassment, and I thought I would share a story of my own experience with street harassment. So cast your minds back. This was when I was living in Los Angeles. I was living in West Hollywood off Sunset Boulevard. It sounds swanky, but it's actually a bit of a shithole. <laughs> and it was the 4th of July. I was heading to a friend's party. And it was, so I lived down one street and then over Sunset Boulevard and she lived up that street. So it was like a five minute walk. And not gonna lie, I was looking good that day. I was looking good. It was a hot summer's day. I was wearing shorts, this nice white t-shirt, heels. And so I start walking up my street and a man in a white car pulls up beside me and says, hey, do you wanna ride? And I sort of glanced at him and I was like, no, I'm fine. And he followed me in the car as I was walking and he said to me, I said, get in the fucking car. I'm very glad that it was broad daylight and I was very close to getting onto the main street of Sunset Boulevard. And so I ignored his demands for me to get in the car and I picked up the pace. I ran across Sunset Boulevard into a liquor store. It was just the closest store that I could get to. And I rang my friend and I said, I need you to come down and walk with me up the street to this party. And as I was making this phone call, I looked out and he had parked his car out the front of the liquor store. So he'd followed me. And I knew that I was safe in this store and my friend and another guy 
came down, walked down and met me at the store and then we walked up to the party and this guy just like watched me exit and then he drove off. And I'm not telling you this story because I think it's anything extraordinary because the reality is it happens to women every day. And sometimes it's not even as extreme as this. Sometimes it's just walking past a group of tradies and they all look you up and down or tell you to smile. Women don't like this. It feels incredibly intimidating. And I honestly don't know what goes through men's minds when they behave this way. What do they expect for us to turn around and say, okay, let's let's go, let's do it? Like, it's just, it's mind boggling. And this campaign that Maria is a part of, which is called Not In Our Streets from L'Oreal Paris. And it's all about exploring the impacts of street harassment and the ways in which the community can safely intervene when they see it. Now, I mentioned earlier that this week was just utter chaos and I did not have any care for my daughter, Evie, when we had this interview. And she makes a a few little appearances here and there, but that's life, hey? When you you have a kid, you just got to keep on trucking through. Now, Maria is always working on incredible projects. So what kind of podcast host would I be if I didn't try and get the goss for you? So she gives us a little sneak peek of what is in store for the rest of 2023. Here is my chat with the wonderful Maria Thetil. How have you been, Maria? This is the third time we're having you back on the podcast. I absolutely love hearing from you and talking to you. How are you? I love it. Do you know what I feel like? We just catch up at this point. It's Mm. like the, and the podcast is our format for catching up. I'm really good. I feel like, you know, over the last, even just six months alone, I've had, I've been so lucky to get to work on things that mean something to me. And I'm, you know, moving house in a month. Life's good. I can't complain. Everything's good. The last time I saw you, we were at your book launch For those who haven't, I mean, you would have to have been living under a rock if you haven't heard of Maria's book, Unbounded, but how has, how has it been received? Well, it's been received with open arms and, you know, as a writer, when you're putting yourself out there and now as an author, like, you know, all you can want is to get even just one message from someone who says to you, this book is life-changing. And so for me, I've watched reviews just organically come in and they're all four star, five star, but it's when people are telling me what it means to them and what it's made them think or it's made them feel seen, it's made them want to show up differently. That is quite literally everything I could ever aspire to, you know, want to do. And if when you think about like, what am I leaving behind? It's that, that's what you want to leave behind one, you know, that's your contribution. Mm. So it's just being received with so much love. And I'm glad because there was a lot of vulnerability that went into it. And I remember my dad said to me, you know, Marie, you're sharing a lot of yourself and you just got to make sure that what you're hoping to gain from it, the impact you're hoping to have, that's worth it. And I said, dad, it's worth it. Trust me, it's worth it. And, you know, it is. So So is there going to be book number two? I think so. Um, But I think book number two talks next year. Um, There's a few other things coming up this year that I'm like, Girl, I gotta get through this list. <laughs> so, you are so busy. Like, I cannot believe how busy you are. Here we go. Oh, hi, baby. Hello, gorgeous. Oh my God, it is crazy that I'm looking at your child. When I met you, you were a child. 
I know. Like, I know. We were children. We were 16. We were like 15 or 16 when we met. Dolly, neighbors search for a star. Can you believe it? Crazy. I can believe it. She's gorgeous. Crazy. Hello, darling. Oh. Hey, speaking about acting, you've been posting a lot about delving into the craft a bit more. Yeah. Do you I'm have excited. Exciting I do. I, I, I do. So, you know, when we were growing up, I we, we met at a neighbor's like search for a star competition and it was really fun getting to do that with you. And I studied at <laughs> Children's Performing Arts Academy and then um, I did some lessons over the summer right after Miss Universe, but I knew I had to get through the book and a bunch of other media things I had sort of coming up the ground first. Now that that's done, I said to myself at the start of the year, right, I'm going to go for it. And I did have a really exciting role and it comes out, I'm thinking later this year and, Amazing. you know, hopefully there's more. So I'm going to focus a lot more on it and, you know, putting that into the universe. It's like healing so much of my inner child that used to just come alive in improv classes and things like that. <laughs> and just being able to say out loud, no, I'm going to go for it and I want to have fun with it. I'm very excited for it. How exciting. So tell me about, I mean, you you touched, you said before that, you are really passionate about working on things that mean something. Yes. And this campaign with uh, L'Oreal that you're working on with the wonderful Terang um, is Stand Up Against Street Violence and Harassment. Can you tell us a bit more about the, the campaign? Absolutely. And so L'Oreal, for anyone who doesn't know, like I was an intern with L'Oreal when I was 24. And so I fell in love with the brand as a teenager, though, because they were one of few that actually had my skin tone with foundations. And so for me, it's just been this really beautiful progression of like a relationship where I was just a really obsessed customer. Then I was an intern. And then when I moved into say beauty blogging, when I started, I was, you know, doing content for them and now I'm an ambassador. And mm. so it's just seen this relationship grow. And along the way, there's been such a strong alignment of values where it's like, well, what do you believe in? What do you stand, you know, I'm gonna use a language, what do you stand up for? And every time it's been diversity, every time it's been for gender equality and a person's right to live safely and truly and freely and with dignity. And that's essentially what this campaign is because I've always been very vocal about my experiences with street harassment, mm -hmm. with catcalling. It's happened to me from, you know, as young as being, you know, 12 years old and in a Tweety Bird 90 at the front of my grandma's house. It happened to me two years ago, standing on my front doorstep with my brother beside me and a ute pulled up to the house. You know, it, it, it's happened to me every every place. Um, and so I've been very vocal about how it makes me feel and, you know, calling people to action. And then last year I stood up to three men in a car park. I stood up to three men in a car park who were, you know, doing the same thing. and. I realized like, you know, that we don't have to accept this. Yeah. And right after that incident happened, and I just spoke candidly about it, right after that happened, L'Oreal Paris launched their Stand Up Against Street Harassment campaign and I was, you know, a new ambassador. So it was like this beautiful alignment where I was like, this is what I, I speak about all the time. And so the campaign, it's not just about raising awareness of what street harassment is, because we know that the whistling and the lewd comments and potentially something worse, like physical groping and things like that, we know it's not okay. But people don't realize that street harassment can be a little bit more insidious. It's even staring. It's even, you know, encroaching on someone's personal space. It's all these sorts of things. So it's really deepening people's awareness of what street harassment is. But then 
It's empowering people to know there's actually something you can do. And what's been really interesting for me is seeing people talk about it without understanding what the training is and they think, well, I'm not going to put myself in harm's way. Why would I risk my life for a stranger? Which is so fair enough. Nobody wants you to put yourself in harm's way, but I love that the training teaches um, the 5D methodology. It's proven by evidence. There are five things you can do to safely intervene that actually don't even require you to interact with a perpetrator. It's, and it's just. So what are some of these things that, that we can do? So it's things like if I'm witnessing somebody being harassed on the street, I can document. That's one of the days it's recorded. And then you've got that footage to give to them, to give to authorities. You can delegate. So it's got nothing to do with you, but you go get someone of authority, whether it's a shop owner nearby, whether it's um, a police officer that's nearby, you do that sort of thing. Another one that I really love that I've often used is delay, where you delay what's happening by, you know, comforting the person being harassed. So it's Mm -hmm. not even requiring you to interact with the harasser. It's like I've seen uh, my friends and I have been in a situation in Mykonos where there was a girl who was intoxicated and she was like borderline unconscious on one of those day beds. And there was a really suspicious man hanging around her and starting to engage with her. And we sort of went up to her and we're like, we're her friends. Like, you know, we're just sitting with her. Like, do you know her? No. See you later. And then we got her home. She didn't know him. So imagine like it's not just in the street, like where that could go. So I love these strategies because they don't just make the street safer, but they potentially stop some really um, horrible things happening from people who are being harassed. And I think everybody should do it. I've done the training twice now and it's just a good refresher. It takes like 15 minutes at the most an hour. um, And it's just so worth it. I was having this conversation with Jess Hill recently on the podcast. She uh, has a a documentary out on the SBS at the moment called Asking For It. And it's it's exploring themes of of respect, sexual assault, rape, and where where these sexual, you know, offences occur. It all sort of comes back to disrespect. What is respect to you? And how do you assert yourself in a situation where you feel like you're not being respected and your boundaries are being pushed? There were a few things that just came up in what you were speaking about when you said, you know, the nature of like asking for it and things like that. And we, so we just finished a national university tour where I did get to tour with my friend Tarang, but also some other great panelists in this area. And one of them is Chanel Contos. She's a friend of mine. She's pioneering changes to consent education in this country. And Chanel was talking about how the very nature of street harassment, because it does affect women and feminine identities and gender diverse people disproportionately, the very nature of it, it upholds patriarchal systems and systems of power, where generally speaking, it is cisgendered heterosexual white men at the top of that food chain. And so when you talk about disrespect versus respect and and, and this sort of thing, to me, Um, These ideas about women and and other gender diverse people somehow doing something that asks for this treatment that is inherently disrespectful and it inherently upholds power structures where we have none. Mm. And so it's us when we're harassed who take a different route home, who change the way that we look and present, who put our heads down and have our keys in our hands because we have to protect ourselves. it ends up being us who change all these things. And then somehow us when, you know, I'm sure every woman or, you know, feminine person with a feminine identity listening to this, answer me this. Have you ever come away from a situation where you've been slut shamed and someone 
has, you know, inherently maybe disrespected you in that way, or you've been harassed in the street, and you've had a split second where you go, maybe it was what I was wearing. Maybe mm-hmm. I somehow engaged a little bit flirty. I don't know. Did I look a certain way? That has to stop because the research and, and what came through in the panels and we were talking is that, you know, every single person who had witnessed street harassment, it all started at a school age when we were either really young, me in the Tweety Bird 90, or everyone else in a school dress with a backpack. And I'm looking at your little girl right now. Mm-hmm. and I'm just thinking about how important it is that she learns this and that everybody in the streets learn this so they, they can protect people like her. But it has nothing to do with what you wear. You are not asking for it. And you can be as sexual and as confident in your body as you want, but you are not inviting harassment. And you still have a right to bodily autonomy. And that's where we see people sort of kick up a fuss. And I felt disrespected, but I don't stand for it. Where I've exercised that kind of agency over my body. And I'm mm. comfortable in a bikini on the Miss Universe stage. And I'm very comfortable doing sexy shoots or talking about my sex life or talking about sexuality. In no way does that mean that I'm fair game for anyone, that anyone owns me, that they're entitled to me. Like it's my life and my agency. So it's that concept that the street harassment training teaches. It's that, you know, L'Oreal Paris and Plan International, um, they are letting people know that you are not responsible for someone else's misdemeanors against you it's not your fault I I really want to instill in my daughter as well is that she can say no and she doesn't be polite about it I guarantee the women listening to this podcast when you reject a man so often it is met with vile abuse you're called a slut you're not that hot anyway yes we have the right to say no without fear of retribution it is is so common that women feel that they have to tiptoe around men's feelings oh my god yes (laughs) you know like it's just (laughs) such can i tell you can i tell you two stories like an example of like yes i remember being on a date with a woman it was a year and a half ago And this older man kept coming up to us and sort of, you guys are beautiful. Okay, thank you. Have a great night. Come back. Can I buy you a drink? No. Come on, guys. Can I buy you a drink? No. And when, like, he kept asking, kept asking. And then he said, if I were to pay you $10,000 at least to take a photo with the two of you, what about that? And I remember saying to him, you need to leave. And you know what he said? You know what? You're not that good anyway. I'm like, but good enough to pay $10,000 for a selfie, but okay. It's a very fragile, like this, this, this inability to be rejected or take no and this entitlement to women, that's definitely there. And I've seen it where I've been out with friends of mine. I remember we were in our mid-20s and I, this is when I started to become really cluey about these sorts of things. And it's like, it took me a while to get there. You know, we weren't raised with this. And I remember being out at a club and this just a group of men like really encroaching on us. And I just didn't want to be polite. I literally sat there, arms crossed, and I was like, I'm going to let you know with my body language, I'm very uncomfortable. And I remember one of my friends saying to me, Maria, like, you know, you can, you can be a little bit nicer. Like, just, just smile. Like, just, you know. Oh, just smile. (laughs) I know. The call's coming from within the house. It was from a female friend. And I remember saying to her, I'm not going to smile. Like, I don't like it. I just wanted to come out with you, all of you. And like, why do I have to make them comfortable and welcome? I don't owe them that. Who are these men? So it is that, you know, entitlement that needs to change. And I think that's what happens in the streets. Um, It's like 
this idea, and we spoke about it on um, the panel with L'Oreal when we toured the universities, we were saying how it's like you see something you like and it's just this entitlement to sexualize, you know, women and, and generally gender diverse people to sexualize its entitlement to objectify and just say what you want and what you think. And that's what needs to change. And it does, it's not to say that men don't experience it because my brother and his partner have experienced it. They're both gay and very femme presenting, but the street harassment, you know, the research tells us it is disproportionately, you know, perpetuated by men. And so it is up to men to help change this attitude and say like, no, we don't stand for it. And if you mm -hmm. see it, like call your friends out, call your mates out, learn how to intervene safely and step in. So that's what I love about it. It's actually solutions focused because I, like, we could all get so upset about this. And I know I get upset about it. It is upsetting. Yeah. It is really upsetting. But, you know, I love that the training has a solutions focus. Mm. At It's All Her, we're all about making life simpler and better for women. How do you do that for yourself at the moment with your busy, busy, hectic life? Well, it is it is busy, busy, and it is hectic. So I just come off a really busy two weeks traveling, and in two weeks I have another um, bit of a crazy one with Australian Fashion Week and uh, renovating and moving into my new house. <laughs> so what I'm doing in these two weeks to make my life easy is I am not over scheduling and over committing myself, and I think there's that thing as well where. People want to catch up with you and they want to see you and it's putting in boundaries and respecting myself and saying, I don't have capacity. So mm. I'm looking like this on my days off. I'm doing my, you know, exercise. I'm moving slow. I'm spending time with my friends and my parents and my brother. And that makes life easy for me because it just fills my cup. I don't have to be anything. I don't have to do anything. And in a job that demands a lot of that from me, I really value that. Maria, thank you so much for making time to have a chat today. All the links to the amazing campaign will be in the show notes. I can't wait to see what you get up to next. Thank you, beautiful, and I can't wait to catch up soon. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of It's All Her. If you have loved this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen, and I will be back in your ears very soon.